1 Kings chapter 17, verses 2 to 6. And probably over the next few weeks, we'll look at Elijah and some of the things that took place in his life and some of the things that he accomplished in his life. But specifically tonight, we're going to look at Kareth Brook and Elijah's place of preparation. And if you know anything about Elijah, you should know that Kareth Brook is where it all began. Many call Kareth Brook Elijah's... Uh, battleground. Many of it call it his booth camp. Maybe some of us call it his training ground. I call it his place of preparation. Many will call it the the starting block for his ministry. But no matter what we call it, Kareth Brook, according to the Word of God, is where it all began. It's where Elijah was prepared for a powerful place in ministry. It's where he was elevated to a higher level. It's where he experienced, to me, uh, new things in God. It's where he became profitable to the Master. It's where he became fit and ready for all the good work that God would call him to do, church. It's where the anointing began to develop in his life. And it's where the call definitely began in his life. And the reality is, if we want to be elevated, if we want to be useful, if we want to be profitable to the Master or that honorable vessel, if we want to be fit and ready for every good work that God might call us into, we have to be prepared as well. Amen? We too have to find our way to our own Kareth Brook. And I believe we all can learn from Elijah. And I definitely believe we can learn from this passage. The passage that we'll look at, like I said, is 1 Kings 17, 2-6, beginning in verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and the meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now listen, when I first started preparing this, I wanted to jump right to that last verse, and he drank from the brook, because I'm telling you, I can preach on that all day long. And he drank from the brook, but I don't want to get ahead of myself, amen? I want us to understand and realize that the reality is we will never drink from the brook and we will never eat bread in the morning and in the evening or bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening until we first learn what got Elijah to that place where he could drink from the brook and eat of the bread and the meat in the morning and bread and the meat in the, in the, in the morning and in the evening. And we learn that beginning in verse 2. Verse 2 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. And the first thing that I want us to look at is the first word in this verse, which is then. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Then God opened up his mouth and he spoke a revelation. Then God opened up his mouth and he brought forth the truth or he brought forth divine direction. Then he spoke to Elijah. The first thing that we have to understand is that something preceded this event. Something happened. When you use the word then, it means something preceded what we're talking about. Something preceded God opening up his mouth and bringing forth revelation. Something preceded God opening his mouth and bringing forth the word of God into Elijah's life. Something happened in in Elijah's life before Kareth Brook. 
Something took place in Elijah's life before the word of the Lord came to him. In my opinion, it means that there was a certain catalyst to the word of God being spoken into Elijah's life. And we're going to look at that as I go along this evening. But it's outlined. I started in verse 2 so I could teach you that and now take you back to verse 1. Because verse 1 tells us about the what happened before the word then takes place. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, give you a little insight, he's a wicked king, Ahab, tried to set up the worship of Baal all through the nation, overruled the God of Jehovah, and tried to implement Baal worship all throughout the land. This is who Elijah is speaking to. The Tishbite said to Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, defining who his God is, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the Bible says. If you look at James 5.17, I promise I'll bring it together. Elijah, this is what it says, Elijah was a human being even as we are. Wasn't some God, wasn't some angel, wasn't some spiritual entity. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Yet he prayed earnestly that, that, that it would rain, that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. So according to Scripture, I'm laying a foundation. According to Scripture, the word of the Lord came to Elijah after he prayed. The word of the Lord came to Elijah or the the revelation of God or the the truth of God or the, the wisdom of God, the divine direction of God came to Elijah after he confronted Ahab, after he stood up for righteousness, after he defended the ways of the Lord, after he confronted the evils that were taking place in the land, after he did the right thing, the word of the Lord came to him. You see, what you and I have to understand is that the reason that so many people aren't hearing from God is because they aren't doing the right thing. The main reason a lot of individuals aren't receiving divine direction from God or divine revelation from God or divine insight from God or why they're they're wondering why God isn't speaking into their life is because they're not doing the right thing. They're not getting direction from God because they aren't faithful like Elijah was faithful, church. They're not faithful in their relationship. They're not faithful in their, in their spiritual disciplines. They're not faithful in prayer like Elijah was faithful in prayer. He was faithful and fervent in prayer, the Bible tells us. He had spiritual disciplines going on in his life. Elijah fasted. Elijah prayed. Elijah worshipped. Elijah gave. Elijah did all of these things. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Please understand the importance of this fact is that the reality is God doesn't just pour out his anointing and his blessing and his favor and his promise and his provisions just willy-nilly on anybody. He just doesn't open up his mouth for any Joe Doe that happens to walk by. He opens up his mouth to the faithful. He opens up his mouth to the righteous. He opens up his, the windows of heaven. He opens up his pocketbook and his blessings. He opens up the doorway to the kingdom of God, to the faithful church. Not just willy-nilly. He's careful and cautious as to how he, he speaks a word and who he speaks it to. Who we open up, who, who he opens up the windows of heaven to. I want you to understand that the blessing and the, and the, the anointing and the favor of God, it falls on the servants of the Lord, like Elijah was. 
Remember, the Bible tells us that the, 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 the eyes of the Lord wander to and fro across the whole earth looking for those that He might empower whose hearts are fully His. His eyes wander every day. His eyes wander to and fro across the whole earth looking for those He can empower, that He can, that he can put His anointing on, that He can put His blessing on, that He can put His favor on whose hearts are fully His. Again, it reminds us that God doesn't put His anointing on just any Joe Doe. He doesn't put His anointing on anyone that just happens to walk into the house of God. He doesn't just put His anointing and His favor and His blessing and open up the windows of heaven to just any Joe Doe that says, I'm a Christian. He opens up the windows of heaven and He pours out His blessing for those t- towards those whose hearts are fully His. You understand what I'm saying? I want you to understand that God's looking for someone to pour His favor on. I want you to know that tonight God's looking for someone to put His anointing on. He's looking for someone to pour out His blessings on and and His power on. He's looking for someone to, to sow some revelation into and sow some truth into and sow some wisdom into. He's looking for someone that He can empower. Who is it? It's those hearts... It's those whose hearts are fully His. Understand this evening from this passage of Scripture that Elijah's heart was fully God's. Elijah's heart was was fully given to God. He was a, a man of prayer. He was a faithful man. He had convictions. He had standards by which he he held to church. And then the word of the Lord was released to him. And we wonder so often, why is God not speaking to me? Why can't I get any divine direction from God? Why does everything seem to be working out for them and not working out for me? Well, we got to weigh ourselves against Elijah. Are we a faithful man? Are we a faithful woman? Are we doing the things that God has called us to do? Are we doing the right thing? And if you are, the windows will be open to you. If you're not, they'll be shut. God will not pour out His blessing onto just anyone. It doesn't matter how much you beg and how much you cry. You, you and I have to learn to do the right thing. I can sit in that room every single Wednesday uh, crying, God, help me tonight, help me tonight, help me tonight, fill me tonight, anoint me tonight. But listen, if I'm not in the right place, if, I'm, if my heart's not fully His, if I'm holding on to some things I shouldn't be holding on to, He's not going to pour out His anointing. He's not going to pour out His blessing. And we need to understand that, church. The word of the Lord came to Elijah after he proved himself a faithful follower. After, read it, after he yoked himself to the God of Israel. After he proved himself a servant of the Lord in verse 1. Look at what it says. In verse 1, he said, As surely as the God of Israel lives, whom I serve... It will not rain for three and a half years. Please understand the importance of that. Here is Elijah. He's standing in front of King Ahab, who could have slayed him right there, had the power to slay the man. He, here he is standing in front of an evil ruler, evil king. And he says, he identifies himself at that moment, standing where he was. He identified himself, I'm going to say, with Christ. He identified himself with, with God, the God of Israel, not the God of Baal. The God of Israel, as surely as the God of Israel lives and is alive, whom I serve. He called himself a servant of the Most High God. 
He called himself, he, he humbled himself, it called himself a servant. Listen to me, understand, the power of God falls on servants. The anointing of God falls on the humble. The favor of God falls on those who are willing to identify themselves and yoke themselves to Jesus Christ and God Almighty. You see, there's a lot of individuals in the house of God who have yet to identify themselves with God. They've yet to, you witness and, and make it plain and known to everyone around them at the workplace. They're, they're undercover Christians. In here, all oh, they do all that stuff. But out there, there's a lot of people who have no clue that they're a Christian. Because they're not identifying themselves with Christ. They're not, they're not yoking themselves with Christ. When they're surrounded by unrighteousness, like Elijah was surrounded by unrighteousness, there was something that rose up inside of them that caused them to go confront Ahab. There was some righteous indignation that rose up inside of him. Something in his spirit was grieved because he knew that it grieved the heart of God. And you and I should be no different. When we're in the workplace and there's all sorts of evil going on around us, when there's all sorts of foul language and all that stuff trying to pour into our lives, listen, there comes a time when you and I got to stand up and identify ourselves with Christ. We've got to identify ourselves with the Son of the living God. We have to do that. And trust me, when we do, that's when God begins to pour out. Why would He pour favor on someone that, that's an undercover Christian? Why would He pour the anointing on someone that's not willing to open up their mouth for God? Why would God open up His mouth to me if I won't open up my mouth for Him? Why would He do that? He won't. It's anti-biblical, church. But this is what this passage of Scripture is teaching us about Elijah. And it's what's teaching us about how we can gain God's favor in our lives. How we can have the bread and the meat in the morning and the bread and the meat in the evening and drink from the brook. That's all spiritual, church. I'm not talking about... I know there it was talking about physical meat, but there's a spiritual parallel there. Listen to me. If you want to eat bread and meat in the morning... If you want to eat of the bread of life in the morning and the goodness in the evening, if you want to drink from the brook, you've got to be faithful. You've got to have, you've got to have the heart of Elijah. You've got to be willing to do the things that he did, church. It falls on the faithful. God empowered, understand, God empowered Elijah's words with his own authority because Elijah was a faithful servant. God empowered Elijah's words and he empowered his prayers with his own authority because Elijah was living under God's authority. Hope you get that. If you're not living under God's authority, you can't exercise his authority. You can't exercise his authority in your own life. You can't exercise His authority over this world. You can't exercise His authority over unclean spirits. You can't exercise His authority over the devil, the demons, over depression, over anything that would come against you in life. If you're not under God's authority as a servant to the, to the God of Israel, you can't exercise His authority. And the reality is there's a lot of people in the house of God that are wondering why they, they can't exercise authority. They wonder why their prayers don't have any power. They wonder why they're like getting this high and they're not, they're not going anywhere. They're wondering why the words that they speak don't, don't have convicting power. They wonder why their, their words aren't anointed, why their prayers aren't anointed, why they fall flat as a pancake. They wonder why. The main reason is because somewhere they're not under God's authority. 
Somewhere they're not in line with God's authority. Listen, when you're aligned with God, everything God has for you comes to you. When you're in line with God's word, when you're in line with God's will, when you yield yourself as a servant to God's authority and say, here I am, use me, here I am, send me, here I am, talk to me. When you fall in line, church, His authority flows through you. If you've got an authority problem, if you've got a a difficulty or a problem with, with exercising or, or experiencing power over the enemy, most likely you've got a problem with exercising authority under him, coming under God's submission. But Elijah did that. Elijah was always under God's authority, and it's why God's authority was able to work through him, church. I don't want to get too theological, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. According to James... According to James, Elijah was a man just like us, like I read. But it tells us he was faithful to God. We read in the passage of Scripture in in 1 Kings that he was willing to stand up for righteousness. He was willing to take a stand against unrighteousness. We know that he rejoiced in the truth and that he sought justice. He had a set of standards in his life and a set of convictions in his life by which he lived and by which he spoke. See, if he didn't have those convictions in his heart, he would have never spoke to Ahab. You understand what I'm saying? If he didn't have a heart filled with convictions, if he didn't have a heart filled with righteousness, if he didn't have a heart filled with with standards, a heart that was filled with the ordinances of God, he would have never gone to Ahab. He could have cared less. But there was something because those, those, those standards and those ordinances were part of who he was. They were part of the fabric of his soul. When, 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 when unrighteousness began to try to usurp the authority of God in the land, something inside of him grieved. And those standards of righteousness had to come out. And he began to speak those. Listen, the, the individual that has a hard time confronting unrighteousness and confronting wickedness isn't fully convicted or convinced in their own soul. They've got some work to do. Listen, the individual, they're not fully convinced of God's power. They're not fully convinced of God's standards. They're not fully convinced. You see, listen to me. When you and I are fully convinced, when we got a set of standards and convictions established in our life, we'll do what Elijah did. You know what, brother? You know what, sister? You know what? We'll be willing to confront unrighteousness, and God calls us to do that. And the reality is, listen, we might be persecuted when we do. But if we are, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Amen? We need to get past those concerns and past those worries. But this is what we have to understand. It's why the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Because he was a man of standards. Because he was a man of convictions. Because he was a man of faithfulness and ultimately because he was a man of prayer. The Bible says he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And the reality is God heard his prayers. God heard his cries. And not only did God hear them, he answered them, amen. And it did not rain for three and a half years because he was a faithful servant of God. If you want God to speak to you, if you want God to, want God's eyes to stop on you, so He can empower you. You've got to be faithful. You've got to be like Elijah, church. 
You see, please understand, when you read these passages, there's no verse 2. In 1 Kings 17, there's no verse 2. There is no, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah without verse 1 in your life. There is no verse 2 without verse 1. There's no verse 2 without claiming Christ as king. There's no verse 2. There's no word. There's no anointing. You understand what I'm saying, church? There's no power. There's no anointing. There's no divine direction. There's none of those things coming into your life without servanthood, which was demonstrated in verse 1. There's no Kareth Brook without prayer and faithfulness first. This is what we have to learn. This is the foundation that I'm trying to lay. That if you want to experience what Elijah experienced in his life, and listen to me, every one of us can. Every one of us can experience the same power Elijah did if we're willing to do what Elijah did and be who Elijah was. We can experience that power. Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do. In number, not necessarily in 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 quality, but in number, greater work shall you do. But listen, only if you're faithful, only if you claim him as king, only if you come under his authority. This is what Elijah did, and it's why the word came to Elijah. Here's what we have to understand. You see, some of us aren't hearing from God because we're not faithful to God. Some of us aren't getting direction by God or being led by God because we're not praying to God. We're not practicing our discipline. Some of us aren't being initiated by God or lifted by God because we're not serving God. All of these things Elijah was doing. Some of our words aren't being empowered and some of our prayers aren't being empowered because we're not doing God's will in our life. You see, if you're not doing God's will, whatever you pray in your prayer closet isn't going to go real far. If you're living in sin, if you're doing things that are contrary to the Word of God, you can pray for an hour long in your prayer closet and those words won't be empowered. You see, holiness empowers even your prayer words. Righteousness empowers your prayer words. Faithfulness and servanthood empowers your prayer words. Otherwise, your prayers won't go anything. God doesn't hear the prayer of the haughty. He doesn't hear the prayer of the proud. At least He doesn't respond to it. So this is one of the things we have to understand. Some of us are chosen by God uh, or aren't being chosen by God and not being used by God because we're not yoked to God and because we're not yielded to God. Here's another truth we have to understand. Elijah was a righteous man and a just man before the word of the Lord came to him. The Bible tells us that he was grieved by the people of God who were worshiping Baal before the word of the Lord came to him. He had a set of standards and convictions by which he lived and by which he spoke before the word of the Lord came to him. He didn't have one of these desert conversions. You know, the guy that's out lost in the desert and he makes all sorts of promises to God if God will do something. If God, you get me through this. If God, you pull me out. If God. You do a miracle. If God, this mirage is really water. If God, you do this, then I'll do this. That wasn't Elijah. Elijah did all of that. And then the word of the Lord came to him. And then the anointing fell on him. And then ministry came into his life. He did all of that first, church. He did all of these before the word of the Lord came to him. He was a praying man and a faithful man before the word of the Lord came to him. And we've got to do the same thing. He was used for noble purposes because of it. He was set apart for a great work for the kingdom of God because of what I just said, because he was already a vessel of honor. He became a mighty man of God because he was already a servant of God. Remember, he said, 
the God of Israel whom I serve. So one of the questions we have to ask tonight is who are we serving? And the answer to that will tell you whether or not you'll ever be empowered by God. If you're not a servant of God, you won't be empowered by God. If you're not a servant of God, you won't be anointed by God. If you're not a servant of God, you won't be blessed by God. If you're not a servant of God, a faithful servant of God is what you have to understand. One of the things you need to know is that Elijah, one of the reasons Elijah prayed for a drought, in verse 1 he prayed for a drought, in verse 1, because he knew that a drought would tarnish Baal's reputation. Because Baal was the pagan god of rain that Ahab was trying to establish. He was trying to create pagan worship and exalt a pagan god. Uh, Baal was the fertility god responsible for bringing forth the fruit of the field and the fruit of the land. And Elijah understood that if it weren't to rain for an extended period of time, that King Ahab and Baal would both begin to look bad in the eyes of the people. That, that if it wouldn't rain for an extended period of time, that, that King Ahab would begin to look like a fool and Baal would begin to look like a fool, like Elijah proves out later in some other studies that we'll get into. But he understood. He prayed for no rain for a reason. There was a purpose b- behind it. And that was to, to, to reestablish Jehovah as the God of the land. And, and, and what Elijah understood was that if I could keep it from raining... People would lose heart in Ahab and people would lose heart in in Baal and they would turn away from the false gods and then begin to cry out to Jehovah. And see, here's what you need to understand from that, another little sideline truth. Sometimes God will let us go through a season of drought so we turn our hearts back to God, amen? You see, sometimes we're the individuals that are Baal worshipers. And sometimes God will call a drought into our life so that we'll turn our heart away from the the, the things of this world and turn our hearts back to God and begin to worship Jehovah and begin to trust in Jehovah and begin to call out to Jehovah. You see, when we find ourselves in a drought, listen, that doesn't mean that we're away from Jehovah, but one of the questions we all always have to ask ourselves is when we find ourselves in a drought... Am I serving Jehovah? It's one of the very first questions we have to ask. Am I, am, am I in a right relationship with Jehovah? Or has He brought this drought into my life because I've wandered away? Has He brought this drought into my life because I'm worshiping things I shouldn't be worshiping? Because I'm not under His authority like I should be. Amen? Amen. Listen, if we expect to be used for noble purposes... If we expect to be lifted to higher levels, church, if we want to hear, if we want Him to hear our prayers and to answer our prayers, if we expect Him to lead us to our Kareth Brook, then we have to yoke ourselves to Him, church. And we have to be faithful to Him. In verse 3, God speaks to Elijah. These are the words. We found out that He's a faithful man. And we found out that the word of the Lord came to Elijah, okay? But these are the words that came to him. Elijah said, leave here. God spoke to Elijah and said, leave here and turn eastward and hide in the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan. And again, the first thing that I want us to look at in verse 3 is the first word once again. I told you I'm going to do a little word study. The first word that he uses, the first God, the first word God speaks to Elijah, a man of God, a faithful man, A servant of the Lord, the first word he speaks to him is leave. In the Hebrew, it's azav. In the Greek, it's katalipo. But in the the Old Testament, it was Hebrew, kazav. 
The first word that God speaks to the man of God is kazav. And the definition from that is, or of that, both the same. The Hebrew and the Greek definition is the same. It means to depart, it means to forsake, and it means to disregard. These were the first words that came from the mouth of God to Elijah, church. And what we have to understand is that God was saying to Elijah, depart from here, disregard this place, forsake this place, leave from where you are and turn eastward. That was the first, that was the, the first set of words that God spoke. And the first thing that we need to understand about moving to a higher level, the first thing we need to understand about finding God's divine direction for our life The first thing we need to understand about acquiring His anointing in our life, church, is that it always begins with leaving. It always begins with azav. It always begins with the willingness to leave this place and disregard this place and walk away from this. It always always requires a going. It always requires a leaving. Listen, if you're never willing to leave where you're at, you'll never get anywhere else. If you're not willing to leave the level that you're at, you'll never get to another level. If you're never willing to leave your comfort zone, if you're never willing to leave your place of complacency, if you're never willing to leave, if you're never willing to get out of your seat, guess what? You'll just turn into a bump on the log. But in order for you to get to a higher level, you got to leave another level behind. In order for you to get to another one glory, level of glory, you got to be willing to forsake the other level that you were in. You got to walk away from it and depart from it. There, there's good things you got to depart from, and there's bad things that you got to depart from. We're going to look at that in just a second. But it begins with getting out of our comfort zone. If we want to move up, if we want to be used by God, if we want to experience the things that Elijah experienced, it begins with vacating and getting up and moving from where we are. Like I said, getting out of our comfort zone, coming out of our present condition, coming out of the current level that we might find ourselves in. It begins with forsaking yesterday and pressing on towards tomorrow. Why do you think Paul said, forsaking the things and forgetting the things that lie behind, I press on? Because he understood it was an upward journey. He understood that he couldn't stand still. Listen, the guy that stands on the starting block will never finish the race. The guy that stands on the starting block will never receive a crown. He'll never win diddly squat. He'll never get the applause of God. Nothing. If, if we're not willing to, to leave the starting block, if we're not willing to move and go forward in our faith, we'll never experience the things Elijah did. His, God's anointing will never come upon us, church. That's what we have to understand. Listen, the reality is just like Moses, talking about leaving here, just like Moses had to leave Egypt before he would become a leader of great nations. Just like Israel had to leave Egypt before they could come into their promised land, before they could get to another level, before God could use Moses for at a higher level. They had to come out of Egypt. Just like a man has to leave his family, the Bible says, before coming to another level of becoming a husband and becoming a father. How many of you know being a man is one level? Being a husband is another level. Being a father is even another level. But it's why the Bible tells us that a a man has to leave his mother and father in order to go to another level. Spiritually speaking, the same way for us to go to another level in God, we've got to be willing to leave. We've got to be willing to azov or catalipo, you might say. 
Just like Lot and his family had to leave Sodom in order to be saved, in order to, to go to a new level, they, they had to leave. For God to save them, they had to leave. We have to understand the same thing. Just like Mary and Joseph, where'd they have to leave? They had to leave Nazareth in order to have their child. The Bible tells us that the angel told them to leave where they were, forsake where they were, depart from where they were. And they were taken to a new level. Amen? I want you to understand that Mary was taken to a new level and Joseph was taken to a new level. If they weren't willing to leave, we don't know what would have happened. But they had to leave in order to go to a new level to become the mother of the Son of God. They had to leave. And in order for us to be exalted to a place of honor, anything like that, we too have to be willing to leave, church. Like the prodigal had to leave the pig pen before he was able to be seated in a higher place in his father's household, wear the ring and wear the robe. He too had to leave. I hope you're understanding what this word means. Like Elijah had to leave Samaria before he could get to Kareth Brook where his ministry began so must we be willing to do the same. We've got to be willing to leave. We've got to be willing to get up and go wherever God sends us, church. We've got to be like Ezekiel who said, Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, use me. If you want to be used by God, you better be willing to leave. You might, you might find yourself in a place very comfortable. Oh, God, this is good. Be like the children of Israel who settled on, the Bible tells us, settled on this side of the Jordan. They were on this side of the promised land. They were on this side of a land flowing with milk and honey. They were living on this side of the promise and they were good with that. Ah, this is good here. We don't have to fight. We don't have to toil. We don't have to do anything. And God, but God rebuked them and He said, Get up, turn, set a course and leave. Leave this place. And the reality is, listen to me, there's so many of us who are in the same exact place we were when we first came to Jesus Christ. We're in the same exact place in our faith, same exact place in our prayer life, same exact place in our worship, same exact place in our service, same exact place in our giving, same exact place in our sacrifice. And God's saying, Oh Lord, if you ever want to come to a higher place with me, if you want to be seated in heavenly places, if you want more anointing and you want more favor and you want more blessing, you got to leave where you are. You got to get up and go. But far too often, uh, you know, a few, several weeks ago, I talked about us just being pupitators. We're quite content where we are. And then we wonder why the word of the Lord isn't coming to us. Because we're not leaving. Because we're not forsaking. Because we're not leaving those things behind, leaving where we are. This one word reminds us that ministry cannot begin until we're willing to get up and go. Go therefore into all the earth, Jesus said, and preach the gospel. Go therefore into all the earth and preach the gospel. Ministry cannot take place unless you're willing to leave. Ministry cannot take place unless you're willing to go. The reality is, listen, there's some individuals that need to leave a bad relationship. They need to leave an ungodly relationship. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you, don't say Pastor Jeff gave me the right to get out of my marriage because I think it's bad. I'm talking about being unequally yoked in a bad relationship. 
I'm talking about being in, involved in some things that you shouldn't be involved in. I'm talking about you might need to leave some habits behind and you might need to leave the old man behind and you might need to leave some ways behind. You might need to leave some of your, your favorite uh, drinking holes behind. There's some things. Listen, there's some people and places and practices that we all have to leave behind if we want to go to a higher place with God. There's some people and places and practices that we've got to forsake and depart from. Understand, it sounds so much more serious when you look at the the Hebrew, depart, forsake, rather than leave. Oh, leave. Forsake means don't even go back to. Leave, me, leave makes you think like, well, I can just come back. I'll leave you, see you later, but I'll be back soon. God is saying forsake and disregard. That's what he's saying, even if it's good. Listen, a lot of us can get comfortable in a good comfort zone. And God is saying, look, man, I'm just waiting to exalt you. I'm waiting to anoint you. I'm waiting to use you. I'm waiting to empower you. I'm waiting to do a miracle through you. But you've just settled in this little comfort zone. It's not a, it's not an evil zone, just a comfort zone. Well, God, I'm good here. It's like I told you, it's exactly where the Israelites were. And God had to say, look, get up and go, leave. I don't want to get stuck on that, but I hope that you're understanding what God is saying. If you want to be seated in heavenly places, if you want to be lifted to higher levels, if you want to be used for greater things, then you and I must be willing to leave where we are, depart from here, disregard this place, and forsake this place for the Father. That's what it means. You forsake these things for the Father. Because whatever God asks you to do, God, I'm willing. Yes, I'll go. This is what we have to learn from this passage of Scripture. Leave here and turn eastward, God said. First, He gave the command in the leave, in the azab. That's the command. Leave, go, depart, forsake, disregard. That's a command, amen? And then God gives the instruction, turn eastward and go, go to the Kareth Brook is what He says. Leave here and turn eastward. Why eastward? It's another word I want to look at. Eastward. Because the glory of the Lord comes from the east. Because the the coming king will come from the east. You know as well as I do, and maybe you don't, but when the tabernacle was set up, and when the temple was set up, it always had to face eastward. The gate always had to face east. The eastern gate is where Jesus will return. When he comes back, he'll come through the eastern gate. The Bible tells us that as lightning flashes from the east and is seen as far as from the west, so shall the Son of Man in his coming be. He will come from the east. I'm not saying physically every day you got to stand up and you got to face east. What that refers to, listen, when you talk about eastward, turn eastward, spiritually that means I've got to turn my face to the Father. That means every day I've got to turn my heart, I've got to turn my will, I've got to turn my face, I've got to turn my prayers, I've got to turn my desires, I've got to turn my wants, I've got to turn them all towards the Father. I've got to turn them towards heaven. I've got to turn them towards that place where my king will return from. We've got to turn our thoughts and our minds, everything towards eternity, church. Listen, when you forget about eternity, your life won't be like it should be. When you and I forget about eternity, when you and I forget about the coming of the King, when you and I forget that the clouds will roll back and the angel of the Lord will descend with a shout and the trumpet will blast and Jesus will come to... When we forget about that, we won't be as faithful as we should be. We won't pray like we should be. 
fast like we should, worship like we should, give like we should. Listen, this is why we need to face eastward. He said turn eastward. It's just a demonstration of which direction we should always be facing in the Spirit. Where a heart should be turned. Listen, if you want the anointing of God in your life and you want the favor of God in your life and the blessing of God in your life, you always have to have your face towards the Father. You always have to be looking towards the King. You always have to be ready for His coming because that helps us to be prepared. It helps us to do the things that we need to. It's like I talked last week if you were at the baptism. When it comes to baptism, I talked about what repentance means. It means turning around. And turning towards the Father, forsaking this and looking towards that. This again, it's it's the same kind of lesson that the Lord is trying to teach us. Leave here and turn eastward. He gave the command and then He gave the instruction, church. Leave here and turn eastward, God said, because my glory and my anointing and my power comes from the east. It comes from the Father. The reality is, For a lot of individuals, listen, the Bible tells us that we have to leave and we have to face east. But spiritually speaking, some of us are still in Egypt. Some of us are still settling on the hillside, like I said, and some of us are still living in Nazareth. And then we're wondering why the blessings of God aren't being birthed in our life. We wonder why we're not experiencing land flowing with milk and honey. Because we're not going in the right direction. Because we're not leaving and we're not facing or going east. We're not walking towards the Father. We're walking in the wrong direction. Finally, as I close this out, in verse 3, it tells us this. God told Elijah to go hide. Leave here and turn eastward, God said, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. He told him to go to a specific place told him to go to an exact place, told him to go to a secure place. We would call it a hidden place. See, I would call it a secret place. And the Bible tells me that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. This is what God wanted to do with Elijah. He wanted him, he wanted to hide Elijah. Elijah might not have been aware of this, but Ahab was furious because of the drought that was going on in the land. God, God protects his people, Amen. God watches after His people. God's not going to tell you to do something and then not watch after you after you do it. So Elijah rose up in faith and he confronted King Ahab and he spoke for the Lord and he represented the Lord and he attached himself to the Lord and he yoked himself to the Lord and the Lord said, Look, here's a faithful man. Here's a faithful child. I'm not going to leave him to the hands of Ahab. I'm not going to leave him to the wrath of, of Ahab. i got a special place for him. How many of you know that the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be safe? God cares about your safety. He cares about watching after you. And this was the direction that he gave to to Elijah. Go hide in the Kareth Ravine. Because Ahab's furious. Ahab, Ahab is losing some control. Ahab wants to come after you because of that prophecy that you spoke, those words that were empowered, and there's no rain in the land, and the people are beginning to turn against Ahab and turn against Baal. He's out to get you. You see, God understood that vengeance was on Ahab's mind, and and he realized, I'm going to protect my child. I'm going to protect my son. I'm going to protect my servant. And he tells him to go hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, or where the water enters into the Jordan. Please understand, 
The anointing of God and the power of God, the call of God always begins, this is what I close with, hiding ourselves in Jesus Christ. It begins with hiding ourselves in Jesus Christ. Listen, like Noah, I taught it last week, like Noah and his family hid themselves in the ark. And remember the ark was a form or a type of Jesus Christ. Noah and his family hid themselves in the ark and they were safe, were saved. The Bible also tells us that Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock. God hid Moses in the cleft of the rock and the Bible tells us that that rock was Jesus Christ. So again, you have a man of God hiding themselves in Jesus Christ. Just like Elijah was hidden among the the rocks and the reeds of Kareth Brook, so must we be hidden in Christ if we want to drink from His waters. If we want to eat bread and meat in the morning and eat bread and meat in the afternoon, if we want to enjoy His sustenance, if we want to drink from the waters, if we want to do the things that He did, which I'm going to talk about in the next week or so, if we want to experience the anointing and the blessing and the provision and the Word of God being spoken into our life, if we want to experience ministry like He experienced ministry, power like He experienced power in our life, it always It begins with us hiding ourselves in Jesus Christ. It's where we must go. This is where he was equipped for ministry. Listen, you can't be equipped for ministry unless you're willing to hide yourself in Jesus Christ. You can't be equipped to overcome the world. You can't be equipped to to face the the, the demons and and the enemies that Elijah faced unless he first hid himself in God, in God's will, in God's word, in God's ways. Listen, if you want to overcome the enemy, you better hide yourself in the word. You better hide yourself in his presence. You better hide yourself in his house. You better hide yourself yourself in, in a prayer closet. Hide yourself in Jesus Christ. Listen, God spoke to Elijah and said, go hide in the Kareth Ravine. Because he cares about our well-being. He cares about his people, church. This is what you and I have to understand. God told Elijah to go hide because he had plans for him. He wanted to use them. And how many of you know in the same way? God has plans for you and me. Plans to bless you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And this is what we're going to look at in the next few weeks the plan that God had for Elijah's life. But God has a plan for you as well, a plan to bless you and not harm you, to give you hope in a future, to empower you, to anoint you, to provide for you. He has a plan for, for His people, church. But here's what I close with right here. Four things real quick. If you follow the notes, write them down. But for those plans to be fulfilled, four things are our responsibility. First, we must be faithful. We already looked at that. Second, we must be willing to leave where we are. Amen? Third, we must fix our face towards the Lord. And fourth, we must hide ourselves in Christ.